0: Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au Well, it's so good to be in the house of God, amen? We are doing the 21 fast. So if I happen to faint this morning, because I haven't eaten pasta for two weeks... For a little Italian boy, well, sort of little in height, um, that's a big thing. But you know what? The most important thing about fasting is not about fasting, it's about spending time with God. It's about making time for God. And you know, we're so busy. I don't know, we we live in Sydney and you think you have traffic problems. We have traffic problems, we've got all sorts of problems. And we're a busy life. Busy lifestyle. And it's so easy to forget about seeking the presence of God. So I want to encourage you. Do the 21-day fast. Give up sweets. Give up something. But um, most importantly, spend some time just seeking God for your life. Seek God for answered prayer. And, you know, our church is not a big church. But as we started the fast, God is answering prayer, which is great, which is fantastic. Because that's what it's all about. People are telling came to me this one lady came to me this week and said Pastor Mario I've tried to give up smoking so many times and um, I made a deal with God that this is it and um, she'd been a week without smoking and I thought wow that's fantastic keep it up and other answered prayers that we're getting so I want to encourage you it's not about losing weight it's not about being healthy though that's a side thing not that I like that sort of thing but it's a side thing most important is to seek God and on that this morning I have a very Simple message, and you will witness a miracle this morning if I happen to finish in half an hour. So if you think miracles don't happen, it may happen just this morning. Pastor Jay said you've got 35 minutes, and of which I've got one minute less than that at the moment. So simple message called the presence the Word and the power of God. So I want to cast your scene to the people of Israel. They had, uh, Jacob and his family had relocated to Egypt. And now generations later, there's a probably about 3 million people, but they were enslaved to the Egyptians. And at some point in time, it got so bad that they felt oppressed, they felt sorrowful, they felt hopeless, desperate, and visionless. It says that the Egyptians were harsh taskmasters. In other words, you didn't want to work for these people. And the thing is that God said, God saw their affliction. God saw what they were going through and he puts in a rescue plan. See, we live today in a very affluent society. We live in a time where we pretty much have everything we need. It's full of people who have jobs, careers, houses, cars, superannuation schemes, food on their tables, drive whatever car they want buy clothes as often they want. seem to have everything, but I want to say there's still one thing that remains that we have so many people that are hopeless, they're all around us. You work with them. You know people like this. You may be in that position right now. you see no hope for the future. There are people that are sorrowful, people that are pressed by the devil, people that are visionless, people that are slaved by habits, people that are broken. And I want to tell you this morning that God has also seen their affliction and has put out a rescue plan. I want you to look with me to Exodus chapter 3. I want to draw from the story of Moses and his calling to what God had for him and touch on these three key components, I believe, of this story, and that is the presence of God, the Word of God, and the power of God. In Exodus chapter 3, I would encourage you, because of time, I don't have enough time to read all the passages I wanted to, uh, but I do want to read the first six verses of chapter 3. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, And he led the flock to the back of the desert, and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of the bush. So he looked, and behold the bush burned with fire but the bush was not consumed then moses said i will now turn aside and see this great sight why the bush does not burn so when the lord saw that he had turned aside to look god called to him from the midst of the bush and said moses moses and he said here am i then he said do not draw to this place draw near to this place Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Then I want you to have a look at chapter 4, and we're going to read the first five verses. And then Moses answered and said, but suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, the Lord has not appeared to you. So the Lord said to him, what is this that you ha- that, that's in your hand? He said, a rod. And he said, cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from it. Then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out his hand and caught it. And it became a rod in his hand, that they may believe that the Lord God of their father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. And then I want you to have a look quickly at verse 17. And verse 17 says, And you shall take this rod in your hand with which you shall do signs. See, you need to understand that Moses was a man who was born under extraordinary circumstances. He had incredible privilege. But he also had a passion for the injustices that he saw against his people, his brethren. He lived in Pharaoh's house. He was taught by Pharaoh. He had a good life, but he could see he knew that he was a Jew. He knew that he was an Israeli. And when he saw his people in affliction, he, he just felt something welling up inside of him that he had to do something about it. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 2 verse 11, when Moses was grown, he went out to his brethren and looked at their burdens and he saw a couple of, uh, an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, uh, one of his brethren. Verse 12 says, he killed the Egyptian and buried him in the sand. He thought like, "Hey, this can't happen." Took matters into his own hands. The following day, he sees a couple of his brethren fighting and he tries to intervene. And what as as it happened, They knew what Moses had done the day before. And they said, who who has made you judge over our lives? By that time, Pharaoh knew exactly what Moses had done and he sought to kill him, found in verse 15. So Moses fled. I want you to understand this thing this morning. There's one thing that we can learn. When we are trying to do what, what is right and what is right in the eyes of God, but we try to do it in our own strength, with our own strategy, guess what? Nothing good comes out of it. When we try to take on a heavenly cause, don't ever try to do it in your own strength. When Moses tries to intervene between his two brethren, he thought he was doing the right thing. He thought he was going to set his people free. But I want you to understand, we can never take on heavenly causes with our own strength. And so what happens, he flees because he now knows that Pharaoh's after him. You know, so many times we flee away from where God exactly wants us to be. And it says that he, flew, he, he fled to the desert, to the backside of the desert. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, the desert is a place that I just want to travel through to get to another place. I don't even want to know what the backside of the desert looks like. But that's where Moses found himself, in the backside of the desert, which was bad enough. But then I think, looking after sheep. The only thing about sheep is that I like uh, on a spit, and that's about it. And I want someone else to look after them because I'm not going to look after sheep. I'd rather have them killed and then put them on a spit and have it for lunch. How many people are hungry right now? Wow, well, some lamb would really be good right now. And so that, from a, a life of luxury, of life of privilege, he's now looking and tending after sheep. Uh, verse, uh, chapter 2, uh, verse 22, he calls his son after this. Moses saw himself as a stranger in a foreign land. He calls his name based on the fact that his name meant a foreigner in a, in, a, in a strange land. Now, I want you to understand this, that he had fallen so far away from where God wanted him to be. From a deliverer of nations, he's now a keeper of sheep. And I want you to know this morning that no matter how far you fall away from where you need to be, God will always come looking for you. Because we tend to think, I can just, I can run away from church. The pastor won't know what's going on. I can run away from the brothers and sisters in church. Guess what? God will know exactly what's going on. You may say, I I just need, I, I have people that sometimes things have gone wrong and where they're living and they go, I just need to find another city. I need to go somewhere else. I need to find another city where no one knows me. Guess what? When you get there, God's already there. God knows you. And so you can run away. You can try to run away from God. But God, when he comes looking for you, he will find you. No matter how far you run away or no matter how far you fall from where you need to be, God will always come looking for you because God loves you. God cares about you. God wants the best for your life. And I want you to understand this as well, because sometimes we disqualify ourselves. And Moses, I think, after looking after so many sheep, had disqualified himself. He'd been living about 40 years away from the call of God. He disqualified himself. He's probably thinking, that's it. It's done. This is all I'm going to have for the rest of my life, is looking after sheep. I didn't plan it this way. I didn't want it this way. But that's all I have. I want you to understand that sometimes we mess up in life. Anybody messed up? Anybody made a mistake? Anybody anybody had some epic failures? And I think if we're all honest, we can all put up our hands and say, yeah, we've had some epic failures. And sometimes we think our failure is so epic that God could never, never come looking for me and have a plan which is far better than the plan that I've concocted for my own life. I want you to understand this morning. That God's calling is never dependent on qualifications. Because you, you know, we tend to think, oh, you know if I just have the qualifications, God will call me and has a purpose for me. No, he doesn't, he doesn't call you based on your qualification. He doesn't call you based on your perfection. Because sometimes we think, hey, I'm just not good enough. And some people can't get over that line of, of surrendering their life to Jesus because they think they're just not good enough. It's got nothing to do with qualification. It's got nothing to do with perfection. It's based on the availability and the ability to surrender your life to what God has for you. And no matter where you've come from, no matter where you are right now, and no matter where you know you need to be, God is still looking for you and He will come looking for you. The interesting thing about the story is, uh, you know, it was probably just another regular day for Moses. He gets up and his sheep counts all the sheep and they're all there. And he's thinking, oh, what am I going to do for the rest of the day? And he noticed a burning bush. Now, I, I think that if you, he, he had been in the desert for a long time, I, I think that he would have seen burning bushes several times. Because when there's lightning strikes, and we, we know all about that, the, it sets the bush on, on fire. And so he probably had seen a burning bush quite a few times but he noticed that this burning bush was a little bit different. There was something specific about this burning bush because he he probably noticed it and then he keeps tending his sheep and then he turns around and notices the burning bush, it's still burning and it's not being consumed. It got his attention. Acts chapter 7, verse 31, in reference to this story, says this, When Moses saw it, he marveled at the sight and he drew near to observe. Then the voice of the Lord came to him. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 4, the same passage of Scripture, or the same story. So when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to look, God called to him. See, God gets Moses' attention by doing something extraordinary. And so there's a burning bush. He could have continued on and said, oh, well, it's just a just burning bush. That's, let me keep going. But he noticed that something was there and he turned around to look at the burning bush. And when, he's, when he, he's drawn to the bush and starts looking at it, the bush has now got its attention. It's got Moses' attention. At that very moment where he turns around and he, he, the bush has got his attention, God speaks to him. I want you to understand this morning. That God uses His presence to get our attention. He uses His presence to get your attention. I want you to understand this morning that when we come together, it should be an atmosphere where we have an expectation for the presence of God. Because it's the presence of God that begins to change things in our lives. It's the presence of God. I want you to understand this morning, when we come to church, it's about the presence of God. It's not about the beautiful lights, which they are beautiful. It's not about the beautiful auditorium. Though it is nice. It's not even about the coffee, which I'd really like a cup of coffee right now, but I can't. Because there's so many other coffee shops in Adelaide. I notice everybody sits at a coffee shop in Adelaide. It's not about the music, though the music is great and it's honouring God. It's about the presence of God. People will, won't be drawn to God because of the lights or because of the coffee or because of the music. They'll be drawn to, to God because of His presence. It's tangible, it's real, and it gets our attention. Right. See, it's the presence of God that draws people to take notice of what God is about to say and do. There's always purpose. Purpose. You know, I, I, how many people love coming to church and the worship is fantastic? And I was going to say the hair on the back of your neck stands up, but I can't use that one. Uh, but you just feel something. You can't explain it. You know God's in the room. Amen. You know that the presence of God, it's not the music, it's though they' fantastic and it's not the atmosphere. You just know it's the presence of God. Well, I want, you to say, I want you to understand this morning, it's not just about that moment, it's about what God is going to do next. What he's about to say. See, it's from, from Adam and Eve, God has always been trying to have a relationship with humanity. And he wants to be in our presence. And he wants us to be in his presence. Because when, if we were to take the presence of God out of what we're doing here this morning, all we have is dead religion and dead church. It's just ritual. And there's so many churches where it's just ritual, where God hasn't attended that service for a long time because they've given up in seeking after God and so many other things have distracted their life. The presence of God. One of the things that you'll find in, in the 21 day of fast is this, is that you'll start seeking the presence of God. And I know that we, we, we should come on a Sunday morning with an expectation that the presence of God is going to be in this place. But the presence of God doesn't just stay here. He wants to be where you are at. He wants to get your attention where you're at in your home. Maybe in your workplace. Maybe while you're driving in the car. I felt the presence of God driving in my car. I felt the presence of God in my my dusty, dirty workshop. I've seen the presence of God. there. just come and flood my soul and starts working inside of me. And he's telling me some stuff about what I need to do. Have an expectation. Have a desire. Make room for the presence of God. He was so busy taking after sheep. He sees the burning bush and he could have said, oh, well, I'm, I'm really busy. I've got all these sheep to take care of. And he sees a burning bush. He says, well, I'm just going to put them aside from because there's something there's something different about what I see right now. I want to tell you that God always wants to do something different when we come together in the presence of God. He always wants to do something different. See, it's in the presence of God that breaks down the walls that stop the Word of God from getting through, getting into our soul. Why? Because our, our heart gets hardened. We get so carried away and so distracted by so many other things. But the presence of God, what it does, it starts, melt. I don't know, it doesn't melt your heart, don't, you know, it, it, but it opens up your heart and draws you in. Puts you in a position or at a place where God is able to speak into you. Moses later on in his life and now he he's, he set the Israelis free and, and they marching across the desert and then it gets to a crisis moment in his life. Have you ever been in a crisis moment? If you haven't, you haven't lived long enough. It gets to a crisis moment and, uh, you know, sometimes when I get in a crisis moment, you know, I want to shout, I want to scream, I want to punch a wall, I want to do something. And... and and you think this would help, or that would help, or this other thing would help. Moses gets into a crisis moment and he says, if you're, in Exodus 33 verse 15, he says, "If your presence does not go with us, do not bring me, do not bring us from here." In other words, he's saying, "If you are not going with us, I am not moving. We are not moving. And we should say, if God's presence is not with us, we're not taking another step. We are not moving." It means so much to us. Moses had learned the presence of God is important if you're going to, if there's going to be a shift in your life from where you are to where God wants to bring you. The presence of God. The second thing that we find from this portion of scripture is the word of God. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 6 says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God speaks, He introduces Himself. And Moses hid his face. Moses realized the significance of that moment. Realized that this was a God encounter. He realized that he was was meeting with the creator of heavens and earth. And it was the creator of heavens and earth. The God Almighty that was speaking to him. The God who has no beginning and no end. I want you to understand this, that when God speaks, he does two things. The first thing is this, that God God's word is enlightening. In other words, it reveals who God is. And when Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 58, He said, Truly, truly, I say to you that before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up the stones to throw at him because they understood the significance of that statement that Jesus was making. He was telling those people that were there, that are about to pick up stones, that he was God. So when God speaks... He enlightens us to who he is. He reveals who he is to us. See, it's the word of God that reveals God to us who God is. And we can make up a picture of what God looks like. Oh, I think God may be like this or like that or like this other way. And No, I don't think God would do that. Well, I, I, I'd encourage you to read the word of God and see what God has revealed about himself. And hear Moses as get a revelation who it was that was speaking to him. But not only that, the word of God is also directive. It directs us. How many people love directions? I don't. I don't like being directed by anybody, even if they are right and I'm wrong. I want to do it my way. Even if I have to go around the block six times. And sometimes we bring that into our Christianity. I know, God, you said that, but you know, let me try this. I know, God, that you wanted this, but I think this might be better and more appropriate for my life. God is enlightening when He speaks, but He's directive. In verse 10, He says, Come now, therefore. And I will send you to Pharaoh. Directive. I'm going to send you. And when you get there, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent you. It's directive. God directs our paths. God wants to direct us. Amen. The word of God is directive. It's a lamp unto our feet. It shows us the path in which we need to go. The word of God reveals who God is, but it also reveals where we need to be and where we need to go. It's directive. We're in an age where nobody wants to be directed by the word of God, or few want to be directed by the word of God. God was directing Moses Thus you shall say, Thus you shall go. It's directive. And the people of God, what they needed was a revelation of who it was that was sending Moses, but also what direction God was sending them. I want to say to you that our world needs a revelation of the Almighty God. Amen. And we can come up with a whole heap of things that we need to do, things that seem to be so important to our climate and to society. But the most fundamental thing... So they need to get a revelation of the Almighty God. We need to get a revelation of the direction that God wants us to take. Because I believe we've lost our way. I believe our society has lost its way. I was listening to a story this morning about Captain James Cook. For those who don't know, he charted the, most of the east coast of Australia in 1770. and says that he... One of the most treasured things, and it's in the, I think in the museum in Sydney, that he carried a Bible with him. And every week he would have Bible study with those on his ship. Now he saw fit to carry a Bible with him. And so many years later we see fit that we want to do away with the Bible. Just maybe use it when someone passes away. Do a reading at the gravesite. We need to introduce, reintroduce into our lives, thus says the Lord. I don't care what everyone else thinks, but thus says the Lord. The third thing that we find from this portion of Scripture that I want to share with you this morning is about the power of God. In chapter 4 we read, verse 1 to 4 says, What if they don't believe me or listen to my voice? So the Lord said, what is that in your hand? Cast it to the ground. And you know, there was nothing special about the rod that he had in his hand. It was a stick. We beautified it by calling it the rod. It was a stick that he used every day to bring correction to the sheep that he looked after, to protect them. He says, what do you have in your hand? What's that in your hand? He says, cast it to the ground. And he throws it to the ground and it becomes a serpent. He's fearful. God says, no, bend down and pick it up. And he picks it up and it becomes a rod again. It was through the hand of Moses and with what he had in his hand that God was going to do signs and wonders. How is God going to do signs and wonders in the year 2020? Do you think he's going to send some angels from heaven blowing trumpets in your workplace when you show up? Do you think he's going to do something spectacular in the skies? No, he's going to do something by sending you and asking you, what do you have in your hand? Verse 17, and you shall take this rod in your hand, which, with which you shall do the signs. You need to understand this, that God wants to use every one of us because there's a rescue plan in searching out for those that don't know him yet and he asks you what do you have well I don't carry a rod with me I don't carry a baseball bat or anything like that I don't have a great voice though I used to lead worship here many years ago I think I did talking rather than singing singing I can't paint, get more paint on my clothes than anything else. I used to play music before, I used to play a saxophone, which I haven't done for many, many years. But I have a voice. I have a voice. Now you may have more than just a voice. You may have opportunities, you may have talents, influence. What has God put in your hand? And God will use what he's put in your hand to demonstrate his power. Where of God says that ye shall do signs and wonders. Amen. You shall do signs and wonders. Not talking just about Pastor Joe, just the leaders or the ministry people. He's talking about all of you shall do signs and wonders it means look at what god has put in your hand and use it for him and he will use it powerfully see where there's no presence of god we will be distracted by everything else that draws us away from him when there's no word of god There's no revelation of who God is and there's no direction to our life. And when there's no power of God, all we have is a Christianity that is powerless. I believe God has given us His Spirit and power to be able to show the glory of God. To be able to use what God has given you, a voice, a talent, some time, opportunity or whatever it is that God has placed, because I believe God has given every single person in this place some ability to be able to use that for the glory of God to see the power of God manifest and if if we just stop at the presence all we're going to have is a great time on Sunday but that's where it ends if we, if we just stop at the word we're going to have a great church service we need to go right through and use what God has given us to see the power of God touch lives there are broken people there are hopeless people they have no hope in other words if they were to die they have no hope of the future and maybe many people that you know have no hope for this life There's no reason for them to live. And unless we understand that God has called us to demonstrate His power, they're going to die hopeless. And I don't want that for anybody. And neither does God. I want you to be upstanding. I want you to close your eyes. You're going to pray a prayer in a moment. Maybe there's some people here this morning that you haven't felt the presence of God for such a long time. Somehow you're waiting for something to happen in a church service. Maybe they just get the right song or... The right combination of songs, and then God's presence I want to say to you: If you're hungry for the presence of God, you just need to seek Him. You just need to go home, unclutter your life. Say, God, I, I'm I'm desperate. Be like Moses. I'm not. I'm not going to take another step unless Your presence is with me. And there's some here this morning that. You use the Word of God as just something that you pull out every now and then. It's not directive to your life. You may be able to quote some scriptures, but it's not directing your life. Can I say to you, the best thing that anybody can do is surrender to the purpose of God and say, Yes, Lord, I'm surrendered to you. Be my Lord and my Saviour. I'm surrendered. We make Him our Saviour, but oftentimes we don't cross further and make Him our Lord. Where he knows best about your life. And get to the point of saying, thus says the Lord over my life. And some, you don't see what God has put in your hand. You've become visionless. I can't do anything. Every single person. That's what the devil wants you to think. He can do nothing. And every single person in this place can do something to demonstrate the power of God to a lost world. I just want to pray with you right now. Dear Father, you see us here this morning in your presence. We thank you because it's your presence that draws us. It's your presence that gets our attention, Lord God. And while we're in your presence this morning, Lord, just speak into our lives. Reveal more of yourself to us, Lord God. Direct our paths. I pray this morning for those in this place that are visionless, Lord God, that they don't see what you've put in their hand, Lord God. I pray, speak into their lives right now. Maybe it's their voice, Lord God. Maybe it's the opportunities they have. Maybe it's their talents, Lord God. Maybe, Father, their availability to be able to speak to people at work that are hopeless, Lord God. We thank you that your rescue plan for humanity involves your son and involves us as well. We ask all these things, Father, in Jesus' name.